know that I must be in my father's business or in my father's house, other translations say. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. 51 says, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, as was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. She hid it in her heart. But this next verse, this one verse, verse 52, powerfully sums up nearly 18 years of Jesus' life. Because remember, he's 12 years here. It was some years before he came into his ministry. But there's one verse that perfectly encapsulates everything that happened in that time. Verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. Let me read it again. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. That is a powerful statement. The title of my message today is, if we can put the slides up, Favor with God and with men. I want to talk about what is the favor of God. What does it mean to have God's favor upon us? Today I want to also give some examples of how God has taken me on a journey in expanding my mindset and my love towards him on how God's favor is ever for us. I want to talk about even briefly Jesus growing up because it says there very plainly that Jesus grew in favor with God and men. And then I guess I want to talk about our role moving forwards because if you believe the scriptures and that we go from glory to glory, the scriptures that say that, uh, or even the, the common saying that the best years are ahead of you, I totally believe that. So let's just pray. Father, I thank you so much for just your presence in this place today. You're so faithful. You're so good. And as we unpack your word and your character today, Father, I just ask that you would encourage us, give us strength, give us wisdom, understanding, so that we may grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Coolio. So, what is favor? Put your hand up if you think favor is abundance. Yep. If you think it is freedom. Wealth. These two at the front, top of the class. Wealth, finances, happiness, freedom, all those things. It's all those things and way, way more. I declare today that the favor of God is personified in the person of Jesus. We've been on a journey here as a, as a community to understand and help you understand the foundation of our faith, which is Jesus. And whether you have a heart for the poor like Mel does when he speaks or you have an understanding to teach the word as Ben does when he speaks, my heart has always been the same. Whenever I preach or speak, it's to reveal the God's Father heart for you. Always, no matter what I speak about. And this is no difference. We learned last week about the Son of Man, that he is at the right hand of the Father. Now ask yourself this. Is there any ever a moment when God the Father looks at his Son with lack? As someone who is poor, who is unhealthy or unhappy? Never. And if you look at the scripture in 1 John 4, 17, we won't look it up now, but it basically is saying that we are like Christ, that God sees us the same way he sees Jesus. So if we're looking, if, if, 
The Father never looks at Jesus in that way. He never looks at us in that way either. Favor is ever towards us. It's ever for us. I watched a movie this week called The Shack. Has anyone seen that film, The Shack? The Shack is, uh, although I didn't love the movie, the the production of it, um, I absolutely love the heart behind the film. And it's a film uh, or a book about a man who experienced great tragedy. And um, spoiler alert, close your ears if you don't want to hear it, but it's, it's a powerful message about him losing something very valuable to him and then going back to the place that he lost it. And in that experience, in this shack, is where he met God. And God showed himself in many, in, in three different ways. Separately as the Father, which he called Papa, as the Son, Jesus, and as the wind or the breath known as the Spirit. And it was quite an amazing story of how people relate to the different parts of God. And the reason I brought that up is because the thread of the film is about a man who's so angry at God for his loss. He's holding, you know, bitter anger towards the Father. He's like, why weren't you there for, for my, for me? Why weren't you there for my family? Why weren't you there for my father? You know, you hate me. You even, you even killed your own son. And that's the thought of a lot of people in this world today. That God is not a God of love, that He's a God of judgment. And this story so beautifully shows God's Father heart towards us. Okay? In all different aspects of the Godhead. And even though we resist Him, even though we resist God, His favor is still ever for us. And you think about it. When God the Father showed Himself on Mount Sinai many years ago to Moses, the people resisted Him. Remember they were building a golden calf down the bottom of the mountain. When Jesus came in the flesh, people resisted him, saying, you're not really the son of God. Even now today, since Jesus has gone and sent the Holy Spirit, every good thing that the Holy Spirit does today, people are still denying that that's not God. They're resisting the Godhead. And once you understand this, and I guess that's why I didn't love the movie so much, is because God showed me this father heart, this incredible favor towards me many years ago, and I've never let go of it. And when you understand that deep in your spirit, and when it aligns with the way you think, anything is possible. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later. When we talk about Jesus, I opened with talking about Jesus growing in stature and in favor. I would have thought that when Jesus was born, he was just endowed with this incredible, you know, infinite wisdom from before he was born, the thousands of years he was with, Ah, God, the Father in heaven. But remember, as we learned last week, he was fully man. So he had to grow just like you and I have to grow. You know, the day that he was in the temple, he might not have had the power to raise the dead. Yet as we learned in that scripture, he grew in favor with God and with man. I sometimes picture Jesus, you know, looking at a fig tree or something and trying to force push it when he's like 12 years old, trying to make it grow or whatever. Practicing his power, practicing his craft. And I, and I find it astounding that, that God sent Jesus through a perfect line from Mary's side and from Joseph's side. And he became the son of a carpenter. If you know any carpenters or builders, they have a real detailed eye for what they do. They take a lot of pride in what they do and the craft that they have. And I can imagine 
the countless hours that Jesus spent with Joseph, his earthly father, learning his craft. And although he was a rabbi and people used to call out to him and say, Rabbi, you know, Jesus, this is who you, we are, we want to follow who you say we are. There were many in that community that said, isn't that the son of the carpenter? That's, that's the son of Joseph. That would mean that he had a reputation amongst men as well, amongst the community as well. So Jesus had to grow like you and I had to grow. Even though he was fully God, fully man, he needed to exercise his faith. He needed to walk out his calling. So what about us? Where does that leave us? We have an awesome example all through Scripture, and I had tons of Scriptures that we could have gone through today, but I just really wanted you to understand the heart of God. How can we grow in favor with God and with men? I believe first and foremost we have to establish ourselves in the word of God. Not just this book, but the word being Jesus. Earlier this week or a couple of weeks ago, Karina and I had to make some big decisions and, and we sat down and actually pulled apart all of my old prophetic words that had been spoken over me. And you did too. Sorry, only we, we are one. And... And we pulled them out and were able to read over them and just encourage myself again and know that, you know, this, this journey that we're on, the, the light is only going to get brighter as we go along. And, and it really does encourage you. So I would encourage you guys, if you've had dreams that you've written down or prophetic words that have been spoken over you, read them again. Build yourself up. Ground yourself in those things that God has shared with you. And... It was awesome for us, wasn't it, honey, to be able to know that we are on the right track, that we are exactly where God wants us to be. And I'll be honest, for the last season since I've had to go back from work, it felt like to me I was veering off my course, that I was uh, somehow walking away from my calling by going back to full-time work. But God has shown me very powerfully that he is on me, he is for me. He will never leave or forsake me, Okay, and that he's got a greater plan that I have to trust. So even though I can pull out these old words and get built up, that doesn't mean that my circumstances are going to change just like that. But it encourages me that I'm on the right track. Okay. The second point, remain faithful in the small things. How many of us have normal nine-to-five jobs? Yeah. And we know it's not like a fair thing, but we know God is watching us in, in those times. And it's good, just like Jesus as an example of a carpenter, Remain faithful in the small things, in the way you handle cash at work, in the way you handle public relations, the way you handle the difficult customers at work. All of that is being faithful in the small things so that God can trust us with the capacity to handle bigger things. And Jesus was a great example of that. The third point, decide and commit to God's best for you. Do you agree that God knows what's best for you? Absolutely. So then we can trust that God wants to give us his best for us. And one of my favorite quotes is, the enemy of great is good. So many Christians settle for that good life rather than the great life. And it's sad. It really is sad. And if you look out in the world today, if you look at any person who's become successful, from Oprah, Michael Jordan, all these famous names, 
and you sit down and have a conversation with them or look on YouTube how they speak, they talk about this law of attraction or um, what you focus on expands or you have what you believe. You know, all these massive sayings that if you fix your mind on something so hard that you will get it. Okay, That means that the world has figured it out, what God has been saying for generations. And they don't know how to name it. Okay, They say... It's the universe. Have you heard that? If you if you commit yourself or your thoughts, the universe will give you what you want. And I always say to myself, well, I see your universe and I raise you the king of the universe. Okay, because that's the that's the fact, you know, I'll go all in on that king. Because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And I have so many conversations about really big minded people. And you know, we've been speaking about it this week, about how these people have allowed into their life great wealth, you know, great health and all these awesome things. And we look at them and go, man, aren't they special? These celebrities are so awesome. And we put them up on this pedestal. But really, God has given the same tools to each and every one of us. And he put these things in motion back before the creation of the world. And it's only the, the few that learn to grow in favor that achieve it. Because just like us, when we get, just like Jesus, when he was born, he didn't get everything from the day he was born, did he? He didn't get the, uh, this amazing favor. He grew in it. Same thing happens for us. When we get saved, great. We know we're going to be in eternity with him. But that's just the start of our discipleship walk with God. That's the start of this relationship, which makes our faith much different than other religions. Okay. We are established in him forever, but we need to walk towards growth and that's why i put up there you must commit in your heart that you want god's best for you is that cool last point in here don't settle don't settle it's an amazing story of the one we all know which is quite famous of abraham going up the mountain to sacrifice isaac and people say, when he went up the mountain, who was with him? Obviously, God was with him. But do you know who else traveled with Abraham up the mountain? Any idea? Did he just go with Isaac? Anyone know? He actually took his father with him. He took his father on the journey. So there's three generations walking up the hill to sacrifice their son. And on the journey, because they didn't know where they were going, God said, I'll tell you when you get there. So that's a leap of faith. They're walking, father, son, and grandson. And on the journey, Abraham's father says, I like this land, Abraham. I'm going to settle here. You carry on and do what God wants you to do, but I'm going to stay here. And the reason you probably never heard that he went with them is because Abraham's father died there. And the I know the sad part of that is that you die where you settle. And you don't want that to happen. You don't want to just settle for the good life. You know, God has so much for us. And had he gone on that journey, who knows what would have happened, what sort of revelation would have happened. But there's something in that for each of us. And knowing that too, that the best years are ahead of you. And I'll touch on those points in a minute, but I want to focus on what God has done in, in my life. 
in helping me see things differently and really exercising that faith muscle. When I first got saved, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. And I thought I knew about God. I thought that I had some sort of semi-relationship with God. And and yet when I met with a stranger who had I'd never spoken to before in my life, he just sat down and in about five minutes started telling me all my prayers that I had spoken in my closet, meaning that no one else would have heard those prayers. And he said, why would God tell me this now? Because now is your time. God is touching on your heart. And right then and there I got uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit. The room filled up. I was on fire. Never felt anything like it before. And it was only like a week after that that God woke me up in my sleep and said, you're going to the place you thought you'd never go, and that's Australia. <laughs> I had told all my friends I never want to go to Australia, but hey, God had a different plan. So I woke up and I told my mate, and both him and I decided to trust him, as we heard this morning, trust in him, jump on a plane, get a one-way ticket. We were flying into Sydney Airport, and there was another check in my heart, another word that God had given us saying, this isn't the place. So we're sitting in this airplane thinking, we've made the biggest mistake of our lives. We we didn't hear God and all these things started questioning us. And then we got to the airport and we had like $200 left in our account. And we said, the Gold Coast, the Gold Coast is where God wants us to be. The same day we jumped on another plane and flew here with nowhere to go. We ended up homeless, <laughs> sleeping in a tent pretty much. And that's when we met Mel and set for care and what the feeding program was doing. And then Mel asked us then, Chan, Tim, I want you to come live with us and learn, you know, and be a disciple of, of our house. Another step of faith. So you can see, even in the, in the early stages of my walk with God, it was about growing me, about exercising that faith muscle. I went into the house with Mel and I started to learn, I started to understand about this and there came a time when I joined the missionary team and we were going out to Bali and I was the only one on the team that didn't have money to go to Bali and my pastor asked me, he said, uh, Sean, how are you going to pay for this trip? And I said, uh, God will do it. You know. <laughs> and if God don't do it, you'll have to do it, pastor. No, I didn't say that. I said, God will do it. And he said, awesome, you've got two days. I went home and I had a dream. I had a dream that a wealthy man was going to come into my work uh, at Zarafa's Coffee at that time and give me money to go. I woke up in the morning and I went and told my brothers at the house that they were in the discipleship house. I was like, man, I had a dream this guy's going to come into my office and pay for it. And, and they laughed at me. <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah, cool, man. Doesn't really happen like that. Um, and, but I wasn't discouraged. I actually went into my workplace that day and I told my friend who was a Christian, I said, Hey, I want you to pray for me today because a man's going to come in and he's going to bless me to go away. And she said, Absolutely. I'll stand with you in prayer. And I went further than that. I even told the unsaved guys that were there, Hey guys, there's a man coming in. If he comes in and I'm not at the till, come get me. And, I'm sitting at the till, getting ready to serve someone, and my heart just starts pounding. Boom, boom, boom. And I see the same guy from my dream walk into the store. And I, I started to sort of shake, and it must have looked like a clown. And um, 
He says, can I see you for a minute? I said, absolutely. You can see me for a minute. Strutted out there and he put down two checks. He said, this one here is for your missions trip and this one here is just for you. <laughs> Paid for the whole trip, just like that. And that was when, and two things happened that day. Firstly, I thought that, man, God can speak to me through dreams prophetically and to see the future, that was one thing. But the coolest takeaway I had that day is to be just like that man, obedient to God under faith. And he said that day, he straight away, I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I didn't even really know him. I'd met him one time before. That's why he came into my dream. And he said, do not thank me. All I've done is been obedient to what God told me to do. And yeah, give him a praise. And, um, and I knew right then I wanted to be a man of faith and have enough wealth and favor and blessing to be able to give to another young man of God. You know, I obviously was young and on fire and wanted to go and minister only, you know, out of the good of my heart. There was no selfishness in that. I had given it to God. Um, and God had rewarded me. And that man, I, 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 I've written emails trying to track him down, can't find him for the last 10 years or however long it's been. One day I'm going to shake that man's hand and thank him that he put me on a journey or that God used him to put me on a journey of increase in favor. And that man is a, obviously a wealthy businessman and respected in that community. His wife used to own one of the, um, one of the shops in that section and that's what it means to grow in favor with God and man. This man had favor of God. He was obviously wealthy. And it really did encourage me. And that was just the start. That was like the eye-opening first year of my walk with God. Many times after that, I'd be woken up in the middle of the night, maybe 3 a.m., and God would say, sow all your savings to this person. And I wouldn't bat an eye. I just got so used to not only hearing what God had to say, but knowing that I could have faith in sowing this money that it was going to help a cause like my cause when I was young. Do you understand? That I wasn't going nowhere, that it wasn't just a whim that I was throwing away my finances. And remember, this is just one element. God has, is multifaceted. He wants to bless you in every area of your life, not just in money. I had times where my faith had to grow around my healing. Uh, I remember being at a friend's house and... Um, I'd just done my back and literally fell on the ground, flat out on the ground, and no one else was around. And then a man, his father, uh, Nathan's father, Mr. Damianopoulos, who used to come here, just literally came, touched me on my back, and said, just stand up. And I just bounced up onto my, onto my feet. And I was like, I'm healed. And, and, and that was just another like filling up of that faith meter. And that's what it has to be like. That's what Jesus would have been like when he was a young man. He would have exercised that faith meter. He would have known that, you know, one day he's going, when he steps into his destiny, steps into his ministry, he will be complete. He'll know that God has his back no matter what. And the crazy thing is, is Jesus said, greater things will you do. Greater things will we do than Jesus himself. So my journey has only given me absolute trust and faith in God that no matter what wrong or right I've done, uh, he will still be there for me. We sung this morning, you know, how faithful and true he is. That he, we know that he is for me. I love that song. 
And, and that's what it's about, that no matter what you're going through, that he will be there for you. I put a photo up there for um, your best years are ahead of you of my son because honestly, he's like the joy of my life. I think he's out there preaching now, yelling. Because he's, and, and, and it's easy to understand now like God's father's heart for us now that I have a son. Because his best years are ahead of him, obviously. He's just a baby. And that's how we have to think, you know, that God is wanting us to stretch. God is wanting us to grow. And some of the most powerful yet simple scriptures in the Bible, Christians don't understand. Think about Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, and Do not be conform to the pattern of this world or the way that this world thinks, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I spoke before about these famous people that talk about that. Oh, we've got to renew our mind. We've got to change the way we think. The King Solomon, who was known as the wisest man who ever lived, his go-to quote is, as you think in your heart, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And that's how you have to live day to day when you walk with Jesus. That how I think I am, am I, am I chosen? Yes. Am I important? Am I valued? Do I have favor? Am I beloved? And if your answer is no to those things, that's when you've got a problem. Hmm? It all starts with the way you think. And that's why it's so amazing that people out there are uh, in business especially, are uh, taking God's ways and generating great wealth. Let me give you an example. Some of the biggest corporations in the world tithe, yet the average Christian doesn't tithe. <laughs> Isn't that like crazy? They know that the, the law, just like gravity is a law of sowing and reaping, so they know to give 10% either away to the poor or put it away. They tithe, and yet and they receive God's blessing. Because remember, he loves all of his children. The same. So he's no respecter of people. So if you understand and obey what he puts in his word, you will reap from that. So, business people. So, business people also spend a lot of time meditating on good things. Focusing on what they want to see in their future. Even if they don't have it. I... I hang out a lot with a lot of millionaire people and they have a lot of money but that's what they think. They always think about oh, I want to think and grow rich, think and grow rich. And I think to myself, gee, that's weird. But hang on, that's what God says. You know, He wants us to have everything, just trust and believe in Him. And part of like my journey as a young Christian, one day I know and I believe that I will be a millionaire. Because I want to influence and bless the kingdom. I want to be able to have the funds when I see a young man say, hey, I want to build a sports center for kids, you know, for troubled youth. I can say, bang, here you go. That's God's money. He gave it to me in the first place. Take it. You know, and that's what I want. And that's what I desire. And just quickly, I was encouraged again uh, to, to enter into that world, to grow in favor with God and man. Because Man can do a lot with finances, can't they? You know? And I was in Sydney probably three weeks ago. 
I went down for a business conference, and the woman got up at a full-on tight-lipped uh, business conference where you're not allowed to talk anything political or religious at all, and she gets up and she says, I'm a millionaire and God is my source. And she says, I walk every day by faith, and he doesn't make no mistakes when he created you. I'm sitting there like looking around thinking, how can this woman do this? Like, surely she must get in trouble. I was waiting for one of those hooks to come out and grab her by the neck and, and take her out. And she went on to do like a 45-minute sermon on the light of God. And I started to shake. I was like, man, this is amazing. I would love to meet that girl, that lady. Her name's Teresa Gregory. And I got a text message the next day talking about favor. Shan't come up the back. Teresa wants to meet with you. So, again, strutted out there. Went up the back, had our own room together. And she went on to tell me her testimony. She said, just last week, I was in the president's office praying for him and his 10 officials committing the country to God. My best friends are John Maxwell and Lance Warno, two of my heroes in the faith. I was like, how does this even happen? And she said, can I pray for you? I was like, yes, you can pray for me. And she spoke about how God was doing an amazing thing and stretching outside of the, the four walls of, of the church community, which is, I know, our heart in this house, to influence people out there. Because he says, it's all very well caring for the people at this level, but you look into any CBD and you see high-rises. Who's going to influence those people for God when they think they've got it all sorted out? And he said, God is moving very powerfully. And she she spoke this word over me that was incredible. She just spoke about how um, my wife and I, opposites attract. And and she said, um, you know, you two are two streams flowing into a river. And oh, my son's name is River, and it just hit me so hard. And I was just so blessed. And she said, even in her word, I'll share it one day uh, at church. And, and she said that... Um, don't think this is a mistake. Don't think this is an accident. You even were weighing up whether to even come to this conference because I didn't have the money to go. And here I was, listening to a woman and walking out the path that I exactly wanted to walk. She had great favor with God, obviously, and with man. And my first question was, how on earth did you get away with preaching at a business conference? She said, the favor of God. I commit, before I even walk out on stage, I actually ask God what to, t- what to tell these people. And it's just, it's phenomenal that, um, when you've got the platform, okay, when you've got that, that social profile or when you know that you're connected to those in that realm, you have great favor to speak. And at the moment I look at my life and I think, hey, I'm stuck in an office or I'm not doing what I want to do. And there's, and there's faith aspect even in that to trust God that these dreams that He's put inside me will come to being one day. It's about focusing on that and trusting that he is the author and the finisher of that faith. Do you understand? This isn't what Sean wants. And oftentimes, and this is where a lot of celebrities go wrong, is it's all about them. They say, I want this, I want that, and it, that's, that's all humanism. And, and, and if they get there, they say, yeah, the universe got me there. <laughs> but it's not about us. Take your focus off yourself. If you want something to get for your, you know, for your own selfish gain, you know what? you'll probably still get it. But I don't know how that's going to help you or the kingdom. If you have a heart, which I know I do, to see people come into freedom, then God will truly and richly bless that. And it's just a matter of time. Turn your Bibles to James chapter 1.
And as you turn there, I told you that this season has been a bit of a tough one for me because I'm not seeing or visualizing at the moment where I want to be. But I sense there's a change in season coming. So James chapter 1, we'll read from verse 2. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Hmm. Joyful. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. No thing do you lack. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberty, uh, liberally, I just said liberty because that was coming out of our team anyway, liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded, unstable in all of his ways. So basically what God is saying there is, ask me and I'll give it to you. As simple as what's that saying. Don't doubt. I could shift the mountains if I wanted to. I can do all things. You've just got to ask and believe. And we... You know, get stuck in our head all the time. We get worried about, oh, what is this going to do? What if I make that step? God is there. Even if you make the wrong choice, God is still big enough. That's what I love about that movie, The Shack, because he says, no matter what you do, I, I make all things work together for good if you love me, which we know we do. So there's people, even in this congregation today, I felt that are in a, maybe a spiritual limbo. Where they're not sure if they can make that step of faith. Because the real question you've got to ask yourself is what are you believing? If your identity is not in the person of Jesus, if you have a warped concept or understanding of who God is, that He's not for you, then you're in trouble. If you think that God is up there with a big stick waiting for you to do wrong so he can whack you around and get you on the straight and narrow path. If that's your concept of God, we need to pray for you ASAP. Because that's not who we serve. That's not who I serve. That's not the, the God I love. And he is that person. Amen? He is the one that is ever for us. And you know, sometimes you might think, oh, little old me, I don't want to ask those big things. I don't want to... Be selfish or uh, I'm nervous about asking God for everything that I want. He knows. I'm a father now and I know I want to give everything to my son that he wants. It's a father's love that he has for us. So if that's you today, if there's a way that, that you can get people around you to pray to reignite hope, because that's what I realized, that I was starting to lose hope. That hope deferred, the Bible says, makes the heart sick. And I've been a little bit sick of late because I haven't seen, you know, mountains shift in my life in the, in the last season. But this scripture in James perfectly illustrates, count it joy. It's building in you patience. It's growing you from the inside. It's building that, that space, I call it, you know, making space in your mind for God to move things. And if Solomon got it right and Jesus can speak about it, it must be correct. We can have whatever we want in God if we believe. So let's pray. Father, I hope and I know God.
that you are for me, that you are for us. That the same way you look at your son with favor, love, covering, you look to me, to us. We are cherished and we are valuable in your sight. And Father, I ask that we would have great boldness to ask you anything, to believe when we say it, to not doubt in our heart and trust that you know what's best for us. So encourage us, Father, deep in our spirit, where there's people that have had their hopes and dreams trampled on. There's people in this church that have even believed things and other people have literally shut them down. I pray, Father, that you would resurrect that hope. Let hope rise today in your house. I thank you, God, that you are always good, that you are always for us. And I just ask, Father, that your word be true and you do a great work in your house today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I hope that helps you all. Um, remember to pray for us this week. We are looking to move house. And even that is a cool story about how you can ask for favor. You know, this house that we're going to is right next door to Winnie, who's our babysitter. That's awesome. Uh, but that, that, you know, they said that you can't even come into this house. There's 20 people waiting to see that place. And we just called them and said, no, nah, and Karina was the first person in to see it. So pray for us this week. We believe in that we're going to get there. And God's like that. He loves you. Thanks, Sean. Fantastic. That was good, wasn't it? Hey, I want to... Um For, for some of us, we've been in a, in a, in a sense of obscurity. And I, I think it's just wonderful, the heart of God, to take the obscure and to bring them into incredible position and, and favour. And, um, and you know, I, I, I look at Sean, and Sean is my son-in-law, and I'm pretty biased towards him. But how incredible it is that God would take a little Maori fella End of story, right there, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little Maori fella um, who is just in obscurity and just pick him up and place him into incredible influence. And I, I truly believe, watch this space as, as far as where they're concerned. I also believe, watch this space as far as this church is concerned. I also believe, watch this space as far as set-free care is concerned. We've, we've been saying we are on the cusp of a breakthrough. And I just, I truly believe this. And so if, if you're a praying person, of which I hope you are, I'm asking that you would, as Sean has asked for you to pray for them as they um, are looking for favour in, in getting this house, I want to ask you to pray for favour for us as a body of believers to step into that which God is calling us to. Um, I'm hoping that I'm going to... I'm, I'm speaking on the 4th of June. And I am, I am hoping, I am believing that I can bring incredible testimony of the goodness of God towards us as, as a community. So um, if, if you are into declarations, continue to declare the goodness and the favour of God over us. Not, not from a selfish perspective so that we can advance the kingdom of God, 
That's the reason. That's the influence that we desire, to have influence to advance the kingdom of God. Okay? God bless you. Um, please, if you, if you feel that you need prayer, don't let this opportunity pass because it, it may just be that aha moment that you are, are searching for that actually is revealed to you and just imparted into your heart this morning that just propels you forward. Okay? The billy's on and um, Kieran's on morning tea. You know what that means. <laughs> God bless you. Let me, Lord, I just declare over us your favor, your generosity, Lord. And Lord, we are a people of faith. We trust you regardless of what the circumstances look like. Like, Lord, we trust you. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Go berserk.